Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this Sunday, we conclude our Seeking the Kingdom sermon series with a conversation about what it means for God to provide enough. And as we prepare to do so, please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's scripture is the first Methodist miracle that appears in the New Testament. It is. Did you know this? This is the first Methodist miracle that appears in the New Testament. It is the miracle of a potluck, <laughs> right? It's the miracle of a potluck. That's what we see here in the passage. So this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, as it's typically called, is the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels. It's the only story that, that's shared in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000. Now, many of the other Gospels add a few annotations to this. Mark doesn't do it, uh, but what was understood is that the head count, so when in the time when the ushers would do the head count, they did the head count of the guys uh, in the room. So when you say 5,000, these are probably the men uh, in the crowd and, and most likely the heads of household in the crowd. So if you were to multiply that, assuming that many of these folks had uh, brought a, had a spouse, a partner with them, uh, many of them had children, people estimate that the crowd could be around 20,000 folks. So imagine being in the Dean Smith Center that I think seats 21,750 or so folks. And y'all should be proud because I know this, I don't even know how many people Cameron Indoor seats, okay? So this is your impact on my life, Tar Heels. So imagine a mostly full Dean Smith Center. And then uh, looking at uh, a group of people and saying, all right, we, uh, we need to figure out how to feed all these folks on the spot. Now imagine you're one of the disciples. You're one of the 12, and Jesus looks at you in the middle of the, the Smith Center, looking at the crowd. It's just been a great game. Everybody's hungry. And their concessions have been closed for the day. And, uh, and, and Jesus says, all right, let, you know, feed, feed the crowd with what you've got. What would, your, what would your feeling be? How would you react? Well, this is what's happening here with the disciples. Now, there are two ways that this passage is uh, generally interpreted. So one way is the, the way of the miraculous. Um, now, some, some of us really have challenge with the, the miracles of Jesus. We say, well, I like the teachings of Jesus, I like the moral teachings of Jesus, but I'm not so sure about all of these miracles of Jesus. How do I know this actually happened? And in some ways it might even seem a bit far-fetched for me to, to imagine 
all of this happen? 20,000 people feeding 20,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and two fish? That's just, that seems amazing to me. Well, what the New Testament shares with us is that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, that happened after all of these other things. And, and if God can raise Jesus from the dead, then shouldn't everything else be possible? All the other miracles that, that we read about in the Bible, it's, just, it's not a large leap to go from take a few pieces of bread and a couple of fish and feeding a crowd of 20,000 and then resurrecting uh, someone from the dead in the, in the way that Jesus was resurrected. And so my encouragement is for us to be, to be open to what Scripture says about these things. Be open to a miracle. That's one way of interpreting uh, the passage. So I want to spend some time talking about yet another way of interpreting the passage, however. So another way of interpreting the passage is to say that that the resources were already there. The resources were already there. They simply needed to be shared. Um, so again, we're in this, imagine the scene. I think it's always helpful to, to imagine the scene and imagine the points of view of the various people in the scene. It's been a great day. Jesus has been teaching this crowd of 20,000 People, uh, folks are, are, are marveling at the teachings of Jesus. It's been a long day. And, um, you know, sure, people probably bought, brought some snacks. But late in the day, uh, the disciples are concerned that folks are, are going to be hungry. After this long day of teaching, imagine coming and spending all day here with just one long hour after hour sermon from me or one of the other clergy. Who would do that? Who would come for that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pastor Lindsay, like two people raised their hands. Uh, I'm not going to take it personally. I get it. I get it. Uh, years ago, um, when I was in Nashville, I worked for the Methodist Publishing House, which meant that that was my pastoral assignment. So on Sundays, we could really visit around and, and uh, see other churches. And, um, and we went to um, a predominantly African-American um, uh, church in, in Nashville. And let me just say that doing church with uh, people like, well, the majority of you has made my children really soft when it comes to the length of service. Uh, they have no resilience. Uh, so we're there, and again, this is years ago, because we're much uh, younger. And uh, when we're in, the, we're in the worship service, and, and, and Zan, who's a middle schooler at the time, you know, we've been... We've been, we bring snacks, like, I, I, you know, we would just be sneaking kids goldfish through services. I mean, I know y'all, none of y'all do that uh, here, but yeah, we did plenty of it. So uh, we, feeding the kids, you know, snacks during the service, and it comes to, or it's the 11 o'clock service, so it's about noon, and Zan says, we haven't seen the pastor yet. 
He says it with a great amount of concern. We, we haven't seen the guy. Uh, and he's supposed to, is he preaching? Yeah, he's preaching. It's lunchtime, he says. And we're out of snacks. It's a sign of desperation. The service went for another hour, hour and a half. The children were not happy. They, we need to bring a full-on lunch if we're going to go back to that uh, church again, they said. So you can imagine, you can imagine the crowd. You can imagine the disciples. It, scripture says Jesus had compassion on the crowd. The disciples also have compassion because they're thinking, I'm getting kind of hungry too. This has been a long day. We need to feed these people. And so Jesus says, all right, what have you got? We got. Or Jesus says, you know, you feed them. We, you feed them. And they're thinking, gosh, how much money? You don't pay us enough, Jesus, uh, to go out and buy food for this whole crowd of, of people. This is not, not going to work. It just, just with what we've collected in our, our coffers, that's months work of, worth of salary to feed this whole crowd. They can't figure it out. And Jesus says, then, well, what do you have? Well, five loaves, a couple fish. Uh, how's that going to, to feed everybody? Well, Jesus says, you do it. Gather these people in groups of 50s and 100s. Again, 20,000 people gathering in groups of 50s and, you know, 50 and 100. Um, and you just take this five loaves and two fish, and the disciples can't figure it out. I mean, they're looking at this entire crowd, and all that they see is the scarcity that's around them. All they see is the scarcity. I mean, they can't, they can't imagine how this is going to happen. And we can't imagine it either. We're looking with the disciples and we're saying, look, I, I'm just imagining myself in their shoes and I can't figure it out. I'll just let it run. Phoenix is having a good time. This is the, Phoenix is being baptized today. If you're being baptized, you can have fun. Um, so, so, um, so they, they, we can't figure it out and the disciples can't figure it out. We see what they see and we're seeing scarcity. I, there's no possible way that these people can be fed. Well, imagine then these groups of 50s and 100s. Uh, they're also sitting here, and, and, and the disciples say, all right, we're gathering y'all because we're going to eat. We're going to do supper together. We're going to do dinner together here so you guys don't have to leave. I imagine they're also sitting there thinking, I, I mean, I know what I brought. I know the snacks that I brought. I'm not so sure about how we're going to do this. I mean, I hear Jesus and the disciples got a few loaves and a couple pieces of fish, but uh, where's the food coming from? Because what I have, if it's only based on what I have, I can't imagine it feeding everyone. Sometimes we can be that way too. If it's just based on what I have, it's just based on my uh, resources, whatever the resources might be. I'm not sure that either financial resources or the gifts of time or talent, I'm not sure that mine are enough to pull this off. I just, I don't, I don't see it. 
So both the crowd, potentially, and the disciples are looking at what's going on, and they see scarcity. It would, it would take a miracle to pull this off. So we talked about one kind of miracle, but there's potentially another miracle that's happening here. Some scholars have suggested that what, what happens as the people view what Jesus is doing, praying over the resources given, and then dividing the resources that it really inspired them to do the same. So as the disciples begin to kind of parse out and give, share what, what, what they have, people in the crowd say, all right, okay, well, I'm going to take, we all brought snacks. I mean, if you're going to go listen to somebody preach all day, you ought to bring snacks and, and do better planning than the Coleman family and bring enough snacks for the duration. So I'm going to bring snacks, and, and, and I'm going to share the stuff that I brought. Bread's a common, common thing to bring. Yeah, in, in the culture, fish is a common thing to have. And so part of the miracle of the moment may have been the miracle of these people who were, many of whom, former strangers, having a big old potluck. And then all of a sudden realizing that there is enough. Before, all they could see was scarcity. But then when it was said and done, again, no matter if it was multiplied in that miraculous way or if it was multiplied miraculously by the generosity of the crowd, there was more than enough. I just couldn't see it before. I couldn't see it being possible, but clearly it was. So the disciples in the crowd and even us viewing the parable just cannot see it. But the question is, what does Jesus see? Jesus knows everything that's going on. He knows all the potential that is out there in the sea of people. And where every other character in this entire story that is shared sees scarcity, Jesus sees amazing abundance. Well, then another question we might ask is, well, how does Jesus see it? You know, this supernatural way of seeing Jesus has an automatic inventory of, of everything that's going on with the 20,000 people. Well, yeah, maybe. But part of what I think is going on here is the disciples and the crowd and, and we as individuals, we often look at things as individuals or, or smaller communities, you know, family uh, units. But Jesus sees in a communal way all the time. Why? Because Jesus' Jesus's entire life has been part of a community, part of a trinity. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. This trinity. So 
so if, if your fundamental view is a view of community, that means you're always seeing more. More possibility, more resources. You're always seeing an abundance. But if your view is, is more individual, if you can only see what you have, what's right in front of you, then you might be tempted to only see the scarcity. I think that's what's so beautiful about, one of the things that is beautiful about this passage is the invitation to view things, the view what's going on in the world, view the community that you see like Jesus and see the abundant possibility. How that reshapes the way that we see things. How that reshapes the way we see our lives how we, it reshapes the way we see our lives in the midst of other lives. I mean, if it's just up to me, there are all kinds of ways where my resources, my abilities, my time, my talents, all of those things, they just run out. They feel, I feel that they're exhaustible. But when I think about the community, inexhaustible energy and, and possibility and an abundance. And for those of us who've been a part of, of Christian communities, uh, other communities that have been really important to us, we know what this is about. You know, when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, there's a, there's a friend or there are folks who are part of our Sunday school class or part of our small group who helped us carry us along the way. I'd imagine that most of you have a story. You could come up here and you could give a testimony to the power of community and how you have more when you're a part of that community. You re realize that there's an abundance. There's a surplus. You always have enough when you're connected with others. That's how Jesus sees the world. That's how Jesus wants us to see the world. When you think about it, if we had Jesus' view, no one would be hungry anywhere. If we had Jesus' view, no one would be thirsty anywhere. If we had Jesus' view, no one would go without clothing anywhere. It's just there's so much. There's always enough if we adopt that kingdom view. If we seek, as part of the seeking the kingdom, we seek the view, the perspective of Jesus and how it should shape our lives and how it shapes the lives of people around us. And so that's my challenge um, this week. It's to try to, to think not just about yourself as an, as an individual, but as you ask questions, as you ask questions about life, as you think about what's possible, for the questions not to just be related to me, but for the questions to be related to us. It's not just about what's going on in my life, but it's what's going on in the lives of the people 
around me. That's one challenge. And the second challenge is to give thanks. Do what Jesus did to take all of these things that we lift up, all of this abundance that we see, all of these gifts that we recognize, and to lift them up to God and give thanks. God, thank you for the gifts that you've given me. God, thank you for the gifts that you've given to so many other people that I am connected with. Because when I think about that, when I think about the gifts of this church, when I think about the gifts of every church, when I give, think about the gifts of, of Christian people all around the world, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's more than I could ever ask for, and, and indeed, truly more than I can even imagine. It's not just enough. It's more than enough. Thanks be to God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.